Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications the new way to play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Yeah, it's time for prime time here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't already done so, so you get notified whenever we have new content available. You can always check us out live on bellyup.tv. If you missed an episode, that's fine. Just download the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV devices and check us out under the Belly Up Sports TV category. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go and download us on your favorite podcast app. We're widely available to you. Please give us a five-star review. It greatly helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and that's what it is, man. It's the primetime recap here tonight. We got our heroes and zeros, my right and wrong calls, and of course, the waiver saviors heading into week six, because we are always trying to get a little bit better every single week. That's the key. I don't care if you're 5-0 and heading into week six. It doesn't matter what your record is. You want to try to keep getting a little bit better. Do not get complacent. If you get complacent, that's how teams that start off 5-0, and 4-1, and wind up either completely missing the playoffs or limping into the first round just to get knocked out early because you got complicit and you didn't try to continue to get better. You can always get better. Things change on a dime in fantasy football. Be ahead of the curve at all times. That's our advice here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we're going to help you do it. But before we get into all that, we got to give a little bit of love and a little bit of unfortunate recognition, too, when we kick off our thumpers and bummers of the primetime recap matchup. So let's hit that. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! 
Only one quarterback thumper in the primetime games, and that's, of course, Sunday night and Monday night. And that was Patrick Mahomes, 292 yards, four passing touchdowns. So he comes through the big day for you on a Monday night when you need it the most. We're going to talk about who those four touchdowns were too soon. But the one thing I got to give Patrick Mahomes, he has been distributing the ball. He does not have a Tyreek Hill out there, and it's obvious that it is holding back the entire ceiling of this offense. Something else we'll have to talk about in the extra credit game notes in the next segment. Quarterback bummers. Unfortunately, Lamar Jackson, who's been consistently a top five quarterback so far this season, was a bit of a bummer in that Sunday night game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yet, they did enough to win the game. But for your fantasy football teams, he was not good. And there was throws left on the field twice. He should have had bomb touchdowns, one to Devin DuVernay, one to Demarcus Robinson, and he just didn't hit the guys who were wide open down the field, didn't have his best game. Things, of course, will get better at Lamar, who's been playing very, very well this season. But even with tacking on the 58 rushing yards, that kind of saves his day a bit, but he finishes outside the top 12. When you're leaning on Lamar Jackson to be one of your guys to help you win every single week, not just be a stopgap at quarterback or just do his job and, you know, you get the floor performance out of like you're looking for out of low-end QB1s, high-end QB2s. No, Lamar's there to be a stud for you every single week. So this, unfortunately, was a bummer performance, but we're not worried about it moving forward. Running back bummers. Well, since we skipped ahead on the drops, I'll just go ahead with it and talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only getting nine carries and 15 yards, three receptions, 20 yards on four targets in the Monday night action. He's been a high-end RB2. I told you guys to sell high while you could last week because his, his value is never going to be higher after the two-touchdown performance that he had a week ago. He went completely off. We'll talk more about this Kansas City backfield in the next segment, but man, oh, man, now it might be a very difficult to move off of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if you have not been able to do so already running back thumpers this is Sparta! josh jacobs baby two weeks in a row he goes ballistic 154 yards on the ground picks up a rushing touchdown and the part you probably like the most because it signifies the high floor that he's going to have moving forward five catches on five targets for 39 yards he looked like the best offensive weapon the Raiders had. You are very happy if you, Josh Jacobs, who didn't have a pulse in draft season, basically, because he was that guy that like, you were taking him as an RB2 because you had to, because the volume was there. You knew he was going to be the starting running back, and he just didn't have a choice. But nobody, nobody, even if you had Jacobs now, nobody was excited to draft Josh Jacobs with the cloud of Zamir White looming over him and Josh McDaniels, the head coach, knowing that he could just change his mind on a rotation at the backfield at any given moment. And instead, we have a guy who is just performing at an incredible rate. More on him later in the show. But Josh Jacobs, our big thumper of the week in the primetime games. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! <laughs> We get to say with the, we get to stay with the same team for the wide receiver thumpers. Devontae Adams kind of doing his little uh, Gabe Davis impression because he only had three catches, but those three catches go for 124 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets in this matchup. It was very hit or miss. Like Devontae Adams started off the game with a big bomb, really didn't do much until the very end of the game when he catches another big bomb for a touchdown. But hey, that's Devontae Adams. You'll take it however you can get it. Most times it'll be a little bit more consistent throughout the game, but who cares? Adams coming through with a huge performance on Monday night. Wide receiver bummers. I want to save my my rant for when we get to the extra credit game notes, but T. Higgins, how is he not the bummer of the week at the wide receiver position because he played. He was supposed to actually be available in this game. He practiced throughout the week. Last week, he was listed with an ankle injury, and yet he had a really good performance. Now, all of a sudden, this week, he gives you a big goose egg 
and only plays 10 snaps in the game total. It's a big problem. We'll get into a little bit more later on. But man, oh man, if you play T. Higgins hoping you had a Sunday night miracle on your hands, you're going to close the gap or win the game at the end. You are left holding a big pile of crap in your hands. And I feel bad for everybody who had T. Higgins this week. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! One of the few positions we actually have two in the, in the same category for these primetime games. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns out of Travis Kelsey. Here's the funny part. He only had 25 yards receiving. He had seven receptions for 25 yards. So it's not like he was lighting up this Raiders team between the 20s. But when they got in close to the red zone, even though everybody, their mom knows the ball is going to Travis Kelsey, if it can all be helped for Patrick Mahomes, he still he still just burned them for four touchdowns in a row within the red zone. Absolutely incredible. And this is why Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end for me and for always this year. Mark Andrews, by the way, he's forever always the number two tight end for me this season. Eight, the only lone bright spot, really, for that Ravens offense in general. And he still had eight catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets in a poor performance by Lamar Jackson. It definitely gives you some sol- some solace knowing, hey, you know what? Even Lamar has a bad day throwing the ball. Mark Andrews is still going to get his. You feel great about that. Both guys coming in as our thumpers of the week. Tight end bummers. So Darren Waller has to be the bummer. He completely goosed you. He's a guy that you're depending upon in a Monday Night Miracle to perform for you guys in a matchup that you're kind of counting on for him to utilize to get back on track because he's had two really disappointing weeks in a row. So you look at the Kansas City matchup like, okay, this is the game. You're going to get back on track here. We might have a high-scoring matchup. They're going to have to use you. And while it's not his fault that he gets injured, of course, The fact that he gets a hamstring injury in the first quarter of this game and doesn't even register a catch before going out. Just really, really rough situation. Next week's the bye, so that's the good news for Darren Waller. He'll have the extra week to get healthy, and you weren't going to have him anyway. But now we have to watch Waller in a hamstring injury, which can always be problematic. That's it for our thumpers and bummers of the primetime games. Let's dive right away into our notes of the game. So what do we know coming out of these matchups? Well, we go to the Cincinnati-Baltimore game on Sunday night action first. And my notes for the Cincinnati, and this is where we'll get into it. Look, I feel your guys' pain. If you played T. Higgins, I understand how pissed off you might be. And you know what? If you want to vent, I'm here for you. At Show on social media. I'll just help you with questions. If you guys got to vent about something on fantasy football, I'll listen to you. Just think of me as your doctor, the MD. Think of me as your doctor for fantasy football, your therapist, your mental health care professional when it comes to fantasy football. I don't care because I'm right there with it with you guys, right in it with you. T. Higgins practice all week long. Zach Taylor says he's good to go. He starts off the game. He was a starter, played 10, 10 snaps in the first quarter right off the bat, doesn't go back out there in the game, gets you a complete, complete goose egg. If he was really that injured, and Zach Taylor after the game talking about, well, he's really tough. I appreciate him trying to play it through. This is one of your stud receivers. We are still early on in this season. It's a long season. You're trying to get back to the playoffs. If he's really that banged up, T. Higgins should not have been out there on the field in the first place. That's on Zach Taylor. T. Higgins is a player. Players are going to try to play. They're going to do everything in their power to be out there on the field. I don't put this on T. Higgins. That's what they're there for. I put this on the Cincinnati medical staff, and I put this on Zach Taylor. How can we be led this astray? Again, he practiced. He didn't practice any differently than he did the week before when he was listed with the same ankle injury. And yet you had to sit there and go through a complete goose egg. I'm sorry, guys. There's not much you can do in a situation like that, but they just boned fantasy owners across the board. My actual other note on the game is buy low and Jamar Chase if you can. So on the flip side... No T. Higgins. Jamar Chase was heavily targeted in this game. 
but only had seven catches for 50 yards to show for it off of 12 targets. So even without T. Higgins, the, the extra volume was there, but he still had a disappointing performance because teams like the Ravens and everybody else so far this season have just decided they're going to take away the big play for Jamar Chase and force him to just have to make plays after the catch and get the ball short. That's kind of how the Bengals did it. They started off the game, they got him a couple of bubble screens right off the bat. Like, that's what's kind of resorted to. I'm not worried about it because he's still a tremendous talent and he got 12 targets in this game. So ultimately, this thing will shake out where Jamar Chase will be just fine, which is why my note is buy low on Jamar Chase if you can. If someone's getting really frustrated, they're not getting top five performances out of a receiver they drafted to be top five, top three, really, in most cases. I mean, I, I had Diggs as my number three, so he wasn't top three for me, but at the very least, he was top five, and a lot of people had him inside of his top three. They might be frustrated right now, especially if they're a one and four, two and three team. You might be able to sneak one past. T. Higgins, every time he shows up and plays, he's the one who actually lights it up. So look, if you have Jamar, if, if you don't have Jamar Chase and you got a couple extra pieces to sell, see what it would take. Because now we're more than a month into the season where Jamar Chase has really only had one really good game. And outside of that, it's been a lot of floor performances. Give it a look. See what happens. I think it's a possibility. My last note for the Cincinnati Bengals is we have to keep an eye on that running back rotation again. So one of the things I loved about Joe Mixon so far this season, and maybe it has to do with the fact that he's still clearly not 100% off that ankle injury, and I would love to see Joe Mixon practice in full again to feel fully confident. But in this game, Samaja Perrine, he was in the two-minute drill. He was in on the third downs. This is what we've come to worry about when it comes to Mixon because it just tremendously cuts down his floor. Where it's like, all right, now you have to have a great game on the ground. Now you have to score in order for me to get the fantasy performances that you come to expect out of a Joe Mixon. And what do we see? We see Samaja Perrine getting mixed in. He gets four targets, four catches, 39 yards, and plays the majority of those key passing situations, which Joe Mixon had been getting as a full workhorse back up until this point. Maybe it's injury-related. That would be the silver lining here. But if it's not... We might see Samaja Perrine get worked in a little bit more, and that's just not going to make Perrine valuable. It's just going to cut down on what Mixon's ceiling to floor ratio is going to be week in and week out. So something we have to keep our eye on moving forward there. On the Baltimore Ravens side, we talked about it already. Lamar had a bad, bad day. Of course, he will rebound. The other thing we got to get into, though, is Dobbins. So there's a couple of runs that Dobbins had where he, he looked good. I mean, he averaged 5.5 yards a carry. He was efficient in this game, but they only gave him eight carries. Kenyon Drake resurfaced out of nowhere with the Justice Hill injury, and he had four carries in this game too. With Lamar running as much as he is, he had 12 attempts in this game. He just really takes away the volume of J.K. Dobbins. He really should be getting 15 touches a game. And it's really a shame in a game in which that the Ravens were never out of it, never down by more than a score, came back and won this game, which was a low-scoring affair, that J.K. Dobbins still only gets eight carries in a ball game like this. And this is the problem with Dobbins. It's not necessarily him. I think from a physical standpoint, he looks fine. The vo- and he's out there for the majority of the time. He's playing the snaps that you want him to play. He's got to get 15 touches because if he doesn't, He becomes a strictly touchdown-dependent and matchup-dependent running back where it can only be against teams that you feel confident the Ravens are going to beat and beat handedly that you can definitely know he's going to get the volume that you want him to have. But let's face it, Gus Edwards, he's probably another week away. If that, he might be back this week. And now you have to worry about him getting a legitimate mixed in as well on top. You know, Kenny Drake and Mike Davis, they'll go away once Gus Edwards is back here in the mix. But it's just a tough situation for a guy that has so much upside because of his talent and the offense that he's on, but just gets limited by the scheme, by the fact that Lamar Jackson has to run so much. So there's going to be a lot of games where J.K. Dobbins is going to hover around that low-end RB2, high-end RB3 range, and you're just going to have some dud performances like he did today because he doesn't always get touches, frankly, that he should be getting. Because, again, he was very efficient on the ground, but only eight carries. My last note for the Baltimore Ravens, Devin DuVernay is a guy that you can pick up and plug and play 
when Rashad Bateman is out. He had seven targets in this game. They used him in a bunch of different ways. He actually got a three carries himself for 24 yards on some creative jet sweeps and whatnot. Even one where he lined up in the backfield. And then he also had seven targets, five catches, 54 yards. Should have had a bomb touchdown. He was open. He beat the defense. Lamar Jackson just overthrew him. So he really could have had a huge day here. It just didn't pan out that way. But without Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay is a fine pickup, plug-and-play wide receiver three flex, in my opinion. So if if Bateman's going to be out again in week six, Duvernay is somebody who can be played in your lineup. So don't look to drop him right away if you did pick him up this past week. That's it for that game. Let's move into the Monday night action. It was this was actually a legitimately good game, which you know it was good to see because even even the Bengals Ravens game, yeah, it was close, but it was a lot of ugly football. Like to actually see a primetime game be a legitimately good game is like a breath of fresh air right now. <laughs> it's a sigh of relief. The Chiefs wind up winning this game thirty to twenty nine. I don't really, I don't really know what to think about the Josh Daniels decision to go for it for two, go for two, when they could have just kept the extra point to tie the game up. And I think Joe Buck said it best during a broadcast. Troy Aikman was was he was you know he was trying to defend it. He was trying to say like I like the move here. You know the defense hadn't been stopping the Chiefs' offense, and that was true. So they want to try to go up by a point and be in the lead at the very least. And it just didn't make any sense to me what he was saying because, and Joe Buck after the commercial break said it perfectly during the broadcast. He was like, yeah, the problem is there's still four minutes left on the clock. Regardless of what you do, the Raiders are still going to have to make a stop because the Chiefs can still take the lead with a field goal. It doesn't change whether it's 31-30 to 30 or 30-30. And at least in 30-30, you're guaranteed that it's at least tied for now, and you go from there. Well, the Raiders actually make a stop. The problem is the Chiefs make a stop on the other side. The Raiders don't get back down the field, and they don't get to kick a game-winning field goal. When it could have been tied in that situation, they wouldn't have to press, and maybe when it went to overtime. So I don't like this decision in that situation. There was too much time left on the clock for me to feel like it's a you have to go for two here to win the game. It wasn't that situation. You still had too much time left. So I really didn't like the decision. I don't care about the analytics in that situation. You have to have context. And the one thing about analytics, and look, I'm a fantasy football guy. I mean, I, I live and die by, I don't live and die by data, but data is a big part of what I do. There is times where the analytics, the data, doesn't have the proper context in where you're at in the flow of the game. It just doesn't. That is a context situation where you have to be smart enough to say, I don't care what the analytics is telling me. There's four and a half minutes left on this clock. Regardless of what happens, I got to stop the Chiefs from getting a field goal to take the lead. So what's the difference? If you want to make the arguments like, well, if you get it and they kick a field goal, then all you have to do is kick a field goal to win. Okay. But now you're in that high-pressure situation where all the pressure's on your offense, where before you could have more options available to you because the game was tied. I don't know. I didn't really like the decision myself. But that's not here nor there when it comes to your fantasy football teams. What is very relevant is Josh Jacobs, from here on forth, is an elite-level RB1. And it's not just because he had a hell of a performance, which is 154 yards again, and a touchdown on the ground. It's not just because of that. It's not just because the Kansas City Chiefs defense, up until this point, have been a pretty stout defense against the run. It's because the last two weeks in a row... He's been involved in the passing game. It's because Brandon Bolden's not coming in and taking Josh Jacobs out of this game in money situations. He's not taking him out in two-minute drill. He's not taking him out on third and logs. So now that Josh Jacobs is a workhorse back, Samir White's not a thing. Abdullah's not a thing. Bolden gets mixed in from here and there, but that's it. Jacobs is an RB1 the rest of the way, and I'll add another caveat in there too. The Raiders' offensive line, last two weeks, they're moving people. Jacob's been really good, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's also had some holes to be able to run through all of a sudden. And this was a good test for that Raiders' offensive line to see if it's legit. It's come together. They're blowing off the ball. They're making holes. So if you drafted Josh Jacobs, like I said earlier in the show, and you weren't excited about it, well, you got every reason in the world to be excited about it now because it looks like 
he's going to be a top 10 running back, if not a top five running back, if he can keep this kind of production up the rest of the way. He's an RB1 for the rest of the season because the workload is there. That's the great news there. And the Devontae Adams, he just, he finds a way. It wasn't pretty. And like I said, it came down to pretty much two big shots is how he got all of his production. But that's the thing about Devontae Adams. He can beat you in multiple different ways. He can beat you by getting, you know, 10 receptions in a game and just nickeling and diming you to death and just slashing. Or he can hit the big play and just find a way to get in the end zone. Devontae Adams hasn't always been super awesome this season, but I think he scored a touchdown in nearly every single game so far this year. So he finds a way. He just finds a way to get the job done for you guys. What about what about Darren Waller? So he gets injured. It's tough because it's a hamstring injury. And with Waller, that usually means it's going to linger, especially with him at this point in his career, you know, 30 over 30 years old, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Like I said, the good news is that you aren't going to have Waller next week anyway, so he has the extra bye week to get rest. Maybe he avoids missing a game after this as a result to that. But this is something now that we're going to have to watch all the way through. The hamstring injury he had in training camp, we weren't sure how true that was because we weren't really sure how much of that was a contract negotiation. But this one, make no mistake about it. So now we'll have to watch Darren Waller from here on out. And just to further the plot, I mean, Foster Moreau wasn't available either. So I don't know if there's a quick go-to handcuff, but we'll have a bye week to get that all sorted and figured out. Just keep your eye on it, and we'll keep you up to date at BillyUpMDFFShow. Here's what I want to do now. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got my heroes and zeros and the waiver saviors heading into week six. So a lot more to come. So make sure you stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe so you always catch our latest content available. You can also check us out on bellyup.tv or if you miss an episode, that's fine. Catch us on demand when you download us on the Foxy Network app on your LG, Samsung, Roku, and Fire TV devices. Or just stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And download us on your favorite podcast app. And give us a five-star review. Greatly helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just went through your primetime recap and you know thumpers and bummers and extra credit game notes for those primetime matchups. Now it's time to get into our waiver saviors and our heroes and zeros. My right and wrong calls of the week. 
time to be held accountable starting now. Dan's Heroes and Zeros. Let's kick it off with some good news on the quarterback. Quarterback Heroes. Tom Brady. I had him ranked as my QB7. I said he's back. He's here. His weapons are here. And he's going to be a top eight quarterback the rest of the way. Right at QB7. He finished right about there. Might have been QB8 after the Monday night game. But the fact is this. Tom Brady is back to being a top 10 option as long as he has Evans and Godwin both on the field. But we had to talk about a quarterback I did miss on. Quarterback zeros. Oh, Russell Wilson. I gave you one more week, man. And he came through against the Raiders. So I rewarded that by saying, you know what? Russell Wilson, with where he drafted him, the talent that he has, the weapons that he has, I still had him make him a QB 12, even though this was going to be a tough match with Colts and knew going into the game likely was going to hit the under. I thought he'd use his legs more. He actually started off the game doing that. But that was it after that. Russell Wilson has the yips. And you know what? It's not too far to say you can probably drop Russell Wilson if you feel so inclined to do so. Because he's a quarterback streaming option right now. He's no different than the Carson Wentz's of the world, the Jared Goff's, the Geno Smith's, the Trevor Lawrence's, who we'll talk about in a second, unfortunately, too. He's no different than any of those matchup-dependent back-end QB1, high-end QB2 options that we talk about every single week about who we want to pick up off the waiver wire and play because of the matchup that they have. He's no different than those guys. None. Maybe he gets this thing course-corrected. I don't buy into the whole injury. I don't care. I did not see a guy from a physical standpoint who was hindered enough to make me feel like an injury is what's causing this problem. It's mental with Russell Wilson. And because Nathaniel Hackett's the play caller and the head coach, I don't know if this gets any better this season. I really don't. It should, but I don't know that it does. So that was a bad call by me to think that Russell Wilson could still be a top 12 quarterback because he's not anymore. Quarterback heroes. Carson Wentz, baby. Everybody was off Carson Wentz after the last two games against Dallas and the Eagles. And I want to say, yeah, duh. What do you think was going to happen? The commanders have a terrible offensive line. Those are two very, very good defenses, especially up front when it comes to pass rush. And Carson Wentz will turn the ball over when he gets happy feet. What do we expect? What have we seen out of Carson Wentz? When he faces a subpar defense, he goes off. He was a QB1 again this week. Yeah, I had him ranked the high in QB2. I told you guys to stream him if you could, and don't be fearful of what you've seen over the past two weeks because he had a good match against Tennessee. Guess what? We're going to talk about him later on in the show again because he's got another good matchup coming up on Thursday Night Football. Quarterback zeros. Uh, this was so frustrating. I put Trevor Lawrence as my QB 11. So like, not only was he like my top streaming option, but I had him embedded into my top 12 of my rankings heading into the week. I did not for the life of me think that this Jaxel Jaguar team had started to look legitimate and competent. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner would drop a dud like that against the Houston Texans of all teams. Better days are ahead. I'm chalking this up to being more of just one of those games that is like, wow, nothing went your way. Nothing went the way it was supposed to. And that just happens sometimes. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything moving forward. But it was a huge disappointment. And with the Colts coming up next, I don't know how you feel comfortable playing him in that game either. So Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, I thought it was a smash matchup, wound up being a bad call by me. Running back heroes. I told you Dalvin Cook was going to get back on track. I had him ranked as my RB5 on the week. Lead option, obvious start. I was like, look, they don't get me against going against Chicago. They won't. I knew he was going to score. And he came through, should have came through three times, but at least came through twice. Now, we talked about him during the Sunday Funday recap. And yes, the, the usage of Madison, maybe keep your eye on that. It may still be a little bit more injury related than actually like Madison working his way into a, a third of the rotation when it comes to the backfield moving forward. Nonetheless, we'll have to see if that trend continues with Madison playing a little bit more. But regardless, Devil Cook is still a tremendous talent. Minnesota, we have not seen Minnesota hit their stride yet as an offense as a whole. We haven't seen it yet. It will come. It will come. And everybody will benefit even more as a result to that. Running back zeros. I probably pretty much just need to say like the entire Jacksonville Jaguar team was like my number one zeros in every position across the board. Because it basically was. James Robinson, I was too aggressive on James Robinson, way too aggressive. I had him ranked as a top eight running back for the week. I had him as a bona fide RB1. I had him as a must start, a guy that I didn't want to hear questions about in your flex because you you had to play him. I wasn't worried about what happened against the Philadelphia Eagles. It was bad weather, and it was the Eagles. It's a run defense you don't normally get success on to begin with. James Robinson looked like the better running back to this point over Travis Etienne. And this should have been a game script that favored the James Robinson early down role and goal line situation. And just like the rest of the Jacksonville Jaguar team, it was absolutely dreadful, unfortunately. And I'm sorry that I pushed him so hard this week. Running back heroes. Hey, how about Damian Pierce, though? I had him ranked as an RB14, even when, even when, I thought this game could be a negative game script for Houston. I thought they would lose by more than seven. That's what the line was, and I was taking Jacksonville all the way. And I was like, I still had Damian Pierce up there, where some people were like, well, what happens if that happens? Maybe Rex Burkhead gets back to being involved. I don't think that's the case anymore. What the Houston Texans are showing me, and yes, this game wound up being a, a neutral to pro game script. So we still haven't really seen it in action too much yet, but they're throwing him the ball more and more, for better or worse. Like, I still don't think Damian Pierce is a great pass catcher, but they are throwing him the ball out of the backfield. Davis Mills is checking it down to him. He's not just a ball carrier that you're looking for, a big yardage and touchdowns on the ground. He's getting involved in the air. I had him ranked as an RB14, as a must play. Like I said, even when I thought it would be a negative game script. And he came through in a big way. And now, I don't think there's going to be any more questions about Damian Pierce at all. He's a must play every single week. Running back zeros. I felt like this was pretty similar to the James Robinson issue. Jamal Williams. Now, I look, I don't, I don't know if I really hold my own feet to the fire that hard on Jamal Williams after he had... 100-yard, two-touchdown performance the week before, and you're playing against the New England Patriots that have been susceptible to the run. 
Not to mention, we knew DeAndre Swift was going to be out again. Jamal Williams getting most of the work. And just like the rest of the Lions, offense just laid a complete dud. And I had to take the hit because, once again, for the second week in a row, I had him ranked as an RB12. So I had him as an RB1. I had him as a must-play. I was telling everybody to put him in your lineup. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. He still has flex value the rest of the way, even with DeAndre Swift presumably making his return after the bye week. But man, oh man, it was just not a great week for me. And picking running backs who are always locked in in the top 12, banking on their matchups and their usage to carry the way, it didn't really work out, especially with those two. Wide receiver heroes. Gabe Davis, baby. I had Gabe Davis as a wide receiver, too. One of the very few ECR rankers who had him as a top 24 option. Because I just believed. What I said it during the show, I believe it was on Wednesday. It was during the Look Ahead Wednesday show last week when we do our first half preview of the week upcoming. And I said, look, I woke up thinking to myself with Gabe Davis, if he practices in full, I'm firing him up as a lock-in wide receiver. Because he'd been hindered by the ankle injury. It was obvious. He didn't have the same explosion you expect Gabe Davis to have. He practiced in full that Wednesday. I locked him in as a top 24 receiver at that point. And he went off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So making me look good, Gabe Davis, and I'm locking him in the rest of the way too. Wide receiver zeros. Uh, yeah, you guessed it. I'm sticking with the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> across the board here. Christian Kirk. How does Christian Kirk, who had been getting featured in a like a similar fashion to like the way Amon Ross St. Brown gets featured when he's fully healthy, to go from that to getting one catch for 11 yards? Like, how does that happen? I guess the Houston Texans of all teams. No, I don't think this is a sign of things to come, or I don't think this is Christian Kirk coming back to reality, so to speak. I don't think it changes the way they're going to try to utilize him moving forward. Again, this was just a bad day at the office for the Jaguars across the board and not something that I'm taking a whole lot of stock in moving forward, frankly. It's just something that can happen at times, unfortunately. And I also had Christian Kirk as a top 12 receiver. So I was a little bit higher on him than the rest of the ECR. And I have to bite the bullet, unfortunately, on that one. Wide receiver heroes. There's another call by me, Amari Cooper. Another guy who had a bad week the previous week, and I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. Brissett had already proven that he'll course correct on Amari Cooper the following week. That was proven earlier in the season. Comes back with seven catches for 76 yards, gets into the end zone. Amari Cooper is more times than not going to be a top 24 receiver going to be a wide receiver two more days than that. Now, because of where you probably drafted him at, you might only be depending upon him as a wide receiver three, which just makes his value that much sweeter. But regardless of what's going on with Jacoby Brissett in the Cleveland offense, Amari Cooper is a guy that more times than not will get the volume he needs to be a consistent producer for you and should be in your starting lineups. Wide receiver zeros. I was too low on Tyler Lockett. And you could go ahead and throw DK Metcalf in this discussion too. I was not ready to make them more than wide receiver threes. Now I had I did rank them both inside my top 30 and had make the had made them both top top receiver threes, who for the most part were going to be in your lineups in most leagues. But I still didn't give them enough credit. I kept saying Gino's playing over his head. The bottom could fall out at any moment. But then they had a good game against the Saints. A defense, granted, that's not as good as we thought it would be, but still, nonetheless, an above-average defense. And they still had a big game. Lockett, especially, who went bananas with his two touchdowns and 100 yards. I was too low. I was too low in Seattle. You can make this a whole Seattle conversation. I was too low on Geno Smith. I was too low on Tyler Lockett. And I was too low on DK Metcalf. And I got to own that. And moving forward, Lockett and Metcalf... They're back to being top 24 options to me. They're back to being locked into my lineups moving forward. Tight end heroes. 
I only had one right call, one bad call that I put on the outline here for the tight end position. Because for the most part, it wasn't really a lot of surprises. Like there was, you know, there wasn't a lot of guys that I was hammering for that really came through or, you know, or over, you know, overperformed their expectations. And at the same time, there wasn't a lot of guys I was hating on or outside on who didn't really perform where I expected them to begin with either. So I had one of each. My hero, just going to stick with Tyler Higby. Because a lot of people kind of had him outside their top five this given week. And I'm like, look, he just gets the targets. It was a tough matchup against Dallas on paper, and that's one of the reasons why in, in most of the ECR rankings he was lower than really, frankly, he should be on an every-week basis. But what happened? Well, he still got 10 targets. He still got a good floor. If you're in half-point, full-point PPR leagues, you're still happy with the production. It would be nice if one of these weeks Tyler Higby could actually get in the end zone. But you'll take the volume nonetheless. And the Rams just don't seem to be in an urgent to change exactly what they're doing. Who knows? It's Sean McVay, so I do have some hope that maybe they can mix things up and right the ship and figure out a way. But so far, we have watched the same offense through five weeks with the Rams. It's like banging your head against the wall. But for Tyler Higby, it's a good thing, and I'll continue to put him in my top five because he's getting too much volume to not be in the top five. Tight end zeros. Yeah, so the bad call would be TJ Hawkinson, although this is another one. I don't know how much I need to get down on myself here. After an eight-catch, 179, two-touchdown performance the week before, I don't know how many people weren't excited to play TJ Hawkinson this upcoming week. Still should have had a bigger target share because while Amon Ross St. Brown played and, you know, surprised that he didn't play more given that wide rush him back before the bye week if he couldn't play a full net amount, but that's neither here nor there when it comes to this conversation. DJ Chark was out. DeAndre Swift was still out. So there, there still should be an extra target share for TJ Hawkinson. The Patriots on paper have been an above average matchup, or I should say a below average matchup in a good way for tight ends heading into the week. So you felt pretty good about it. And then TJ Hawkinson does absolutely nothing. He's still a top 10 tight end. There's no other way around it. But unfortunately, hoping for Hawkinson to just be consistent to be that guy, I don't know if that happens this season with so many other options for them to go to once they're back and healthy. But that does it for my heroes and zeros, my right and wrong calls on the week. So let's dive into our waiver saviors. Waiver saviors. All right, like we always do, I try to take the guys on average who are available or only owned, I should say, in less than 50% of their leagues across the major platforms. We start off with the quarterback position, no particular order. But Carson Wentz does come in at 47% owned. I said last week he was a streaming option against a subpar defense. I know he's listed with a shoulder injury, but it didn't hinder him in the game against Tennessee. I'm not too worried about it for against Chicago this upcoming Thursday, another subpar matchup that he should be able to take advantage of. Carson Wentz will be a high-end QB2, borderline QB1 for me again this week, and once again will be a streaming option who is still widely available in more than 50% of your leagues out there. Geno Smith. I already led the way with this one. I talked about, you know, Seattle being too low. After Geno Smith puts on a impressive, efficient, mind you, because he only had 25 pass attempts. That's the one thing that still bothers me. The last two weeks, 25 pass attempts last week, the week before and week four, he only had 30. It's not really the volume I'm looking for, but he's been uber efficient. To the point you can't ignore it. And for him to do what he did this past week against the Saints with a matchup now coming up against Arizona, this is not the time that I jump off of Geno Smith now. Now, Arizona's defense is better than what it was the first couple of weeks of the season. Now their secondary is a little bit healthier. This is not a defense that you can just, you know, walk all over anymore, unless you have, you know, unless you're a tight end. <laughs> but Geno Smith is still somebody that you should be picking up. And we're talking about a guy that is not just a streaming option. Keeps this up. He has season-long value. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that because I still feel like, ultimately, Geno Smith is outplaying what his skill set really is. But right now, you're looking around for that QB1 guy 
that you need to plug and play in your lineup so that's available on the waiver wire, look no further than Geno Smith. And then last but not least, Kenny Pickett. So, yeah, I mean, b- before we jump all over, we're like, well, Kenny Pickett didn't have a great fantasy day. Look, it was against Buffalo. And the number that intrigued me was 52 pass attempts. I know this game got blown out of proportion, but they trusted him to throw the ball in his rookie debut against Buffalo 52 times. They didn't try to just run it for running sake. They were like, no, you know what? Whatever. We're down. Go ahead and throw the ball. And he goes over 300 yards passing as a result to that. Their schedule is still really difficult moving forward, unfortunately for the Steelers, but we're looking for quarterbacks who have maybe season-long value, season-long intrigue. Kenny Pickett is worth a stash. I'm not necessarily picking him up to stream him this week, especially not over a Carson Wentz or a Geno Smith. But if you're looking for somebody that you might have the potential to be a top 12 quarterback for the rest of season. Kenny Pickett has the weapons. I'm not necessarily a believer in the talent, but I am a believer in weapons and volume. And those are two things he might have moving forward. Let's go into our running backs now, though. Yeah, uh, the number one guy on the week is no surprise. It's Kenneth Walker. Rashad Penny out for the rest of the season. Kenneth Walker is a talented dude. He's an explosive dude. He already showed that on Sunday. Will he have to compete with DJ Dallas when it comes to the passing down work? Yeah, probably. So I don't know how involved he'll be in that aspect. So it will limit his floor. And you're going to be banking on him making big plays and getting touchdowns on the ground for him to return the fantasy value that you're going to hope for. But he's a potential league winner. This is a very talented running back who's explosive. And now that Seattle's offense is not just competent, but actually good right now with the way he's playing. You no longer have the fear of, well, they're so bad, doesn't matter. Like, no, that's not the case. The Seattle's putting a point. So Kenneth Walker's going to have opportunities. Rashad Penny was actually playing well until he got hurt. So Kenneth Walker, yeah, this is the guy that you're using that top priority on. And I would use 100, 100% of my fad budget. I don't care that it's week six. This guy, again, he's going to be an RB2 for me right off the bat, but he has the potential to be a league winner with his home run ability. I'm not sleeping on that. 100% of my fad budget is going to Kenneth Walker this week. Brian Robinson. So I was very surprised being that this is a guy who's been consistently climbing while he was on the IR because people were stashing him was Brian Robinson. He's only 45% owned still. Yes, it wasn't a big week, obviously, this, this past week. And I don't know how much I'm trying to play him right away, even in the matchup here against Chicago. But here's what I will say. He came in week one in which they said he was supposed to be on a limited snap count and already outplayed Antonio Gibson (laughs) or already supplanted him the first game back. Yes, Gibson will be involved enough. Yes, Jaden McKissick will be involved in the passing game. So this is a three-man committee, but Brian Robinson's the head and he's the guy who has the most touchdown upside. So he belongs in your lineups moving forward. Let's talk about our uh, handcuff specials, shall we? Alexander Madison, he makes this. I hate that he makes this column every single week. I hate it. Why? You have Dalva Cook in every lead. Please get Alexander Madison. He's a one-for-one handcuff. I don't know how many ways, how many times I have to say it, but like I've said the past few weeks, and I'll say it again, if I have to keep saying it every single week, I will. Alexander Madison needs to be more than 50% owned, and he's still not. Same thing goes Rashad White, who's 24% owned. Now, Rashad White is really curious because now he's had two weeks in a row. I know this past week he didn't have like the big production, but two weeks in a row where his snap count has gone up, he's a part of this offense now. It's not just Leonard Fournette getting everything and Rashad White just sitting on the bench waiting for something to happen or Leonard Fournette to need a breather. No, 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 no. He's here to stay getting a third of that offense. That's exactly what's going to happen with Rashad White moving forward. So, Deep emergency flex play. Yeah, that's something that could actually be a thing for Rashad White sooner rather than later. And he's a one-for-one handcuff. So he definitely needs to be owned more at the 24% of leagues. Eno Benjamin, he's only 7% owned right now. Now, it's not a given that James Conner and Darrell Williams are going to definitely miss time. We're going to have to see how this thing plays out, and we'll keep you up to date on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. But... If Williams and Connor are both out, Jonathan Ward got injured. 
there's only going to be one guy left standing. Remember leading up to this point, especially during these shows, the waiver savior, you know, segments, I talked about Darrell Williams is the guy you want to own. Because if James Conner goes out, he's the one who gets the James Conner role. Eno Benjamin's role doesn't really change. He's just, he's still the change of pace, complimentary back. Well, that does change if everybody's hurt, which is what the possibility we're looking at here now. So if that happens, you know, Benjamin might be in for a hell of a workload come Sunday. Make sure you take a grab on him. It's not a given yet. We don't know because they're saying that the rib injury to James Conner is not that serious. And we're not really sure about the timeline yet on Darrell Williams either with the knee issue. But definitely worth a pickup and widely available to you guys. Getting back to the handcuff special here. Samaja Perrine, he's only 5% owned. I talked about him earlier in tonight's show. Seems like he's already getting a little bit more playing time. And I really don't think, I know I know in the summertime we thought this was going to be the case, but I don't think Chris Evans is actually going to get worked in a significant amount. I think Samaj Perrine is the one for one handcuff. And the reason why I think that, and again, I don't have inside information, so th- this could wind up being wrong, but I'm going with my instinct here on what I'm, on what I'm seeing. During the summer, in the training camp in offseason, the play was that they wanted Chris Evans to be the guy to take over the third down role and actually work himself ahead of Samaja Perrine. Like, that was the goal this season. That never came to fruition. Chris Evans was still a liability in pass protection, and as a result to that, he's not ahead of Samaja Perrine on the depth chart. I don't know how much they trust Chris Evans. So I do think if Joe Mixon were to actually miss time as he's dealing with this ankle issue week in, week out, and if he re-aggravates it or makes it worse or whatever the case may be, I think Samaja Perrine would actually be the handcuff to own in that situation. Same thing we know this for Jalen Warren. We know Warren is the handcuff. We know he's the one for one for Najee Harris. It's not pretty, but right now Warren's just involved, if not more involved in the passing game than Najee Harris. That's one of the reasons that's killing Harris's value to boot. But he's only 4% owned. With the Steelers, it's a little bit more of a question mark, like how much do you really want to own the handcuff on a backfield that's been just totally crappy anyway? But I think because of Warren's involvement in the passing game, if Najee Harris were to be out, I think you can go ahead and pick him up, and he's a worthy handcuff to have. And then Zamir White. Yeah, Zamir White's not going to get involved in the passing game the way Josh Jacobs is. That Then then Josh Daniels really would go Brandon Bolton or Amir Abdullah in those situations. There's no doubt about that. But that offensive line's blocking very, very well right now. So if Jacobs does go down... I do think Zamir White on the ground and at the goal line could be a very intriguing option and should be owned by Josh Jacobs' owners just in case. Let's talk about the wide receivers. It's actually a shorter list of the wide receiver position tonight. Traylon Burks. So he gets put on the IR. So this is purely a, if you have an IR spot and Burks has become available because now he's available, he's only owned in 40% of leagues. So now he's available in more than 50% of leagues out there. The one thing that's evident about the Tennessee passing attack is lacking a playmaker so badly. Robert Woods is not that guy. Kyle Phillips is not that guy. Nick Westbrook-Ikeen is not that guy. The only person who has a chance to be a playmaker for them down the stretch is Traylon Burks. Now, yes, him being out for the four weeks kind of does, you know, delay him fully taking over, which is where he was shaping up to go. But I still think there's enough time, especially in the stretch run, the playoff run towards that end of the season. Traylon Burks is available. Pick him up and stash him because he could be a playoff winner for you down the road because they need a playmaker in the wide receiving group. And he's the only one I think who can do it. Josh Palmer, 36% owned. So it's been a rough couple of weeks for Josh Palmer, but I want you guys to keep in mind, he's been dealing with an ankle injury. And that's the biggest reason for it. This past week, he was still second amongst the wide receivers and snaps and routes run. So it's not like he wasn't so involved. But as we saw with Gabe Davis, even if you're out there and playing, if you have an ankle issue and it's hindering your explosive ability, it can be a problem. I still think more times than not, if Keenan Allen does not play, Josh Palmer is a fine spot starter in those situations. And because I still don't know if we're going to have Keenan Allen back this week, I think Josh Palmer should still be owned more than what he is, which is only 36% right now. What about Zay Jones, who's 35% owned? Now, Zay Jones would be, would be more of a priority for me than Josh Palmer would be. 
because, you know, he's not dependent on Keenan Allen being hurt or anything like that. I know it's a bad week for Jacksonville in general. Zay Jones has been very much part of this lineup. And let me just comment on this real quick. Marvin Jones going for 100 yards. That should not change your mind on what Christian Kirk is in this offense and or what Zay Jones is in this offense. It's Marvin Jones. He's going to have these games once in a while, one or two in the entire year at this point in his career, where he like, oh, yeah, I'm still Marvin Jones. I could do things sometimes. He deserves to be in the same conversation as Randall Cobb. A lot of people are going to look to pick up Randall Cobb because he had 13 targets and seven catches and 99 yards. We've all been chasing the great white Buffalo. That is the number one receiver of Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But Cobb is just like Marvin Jones. At this point in their career, they have one or two games like this in the year, and they do absolutely nothing because they are a dead fish in water, ultimately speaking, for the NFL. Let someone else make the mistake of trying to pick up a Randall Cobb or a Marvin Jones. And do yourself the favor and pick up Zay Jones while you're at it. Because he's got real flex appeal moving forward. Sky Moore. When is it going to be Sky Moore's turn? We just had to watch a Monday night game where Juju Smith-Schuster had eight targets for three catches and 33 yards against the Raiders. A game in which, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was solid. Miko Harbin was solid. Juju Smith-Schuster, who's supposed to be the guy, is just so mediocre. He can't get open. He's so slow. Sky Moore, I have no doubt in my mind, is the most talented receiver in that group. They got a bye in week eight. So here's what I'm going to say. By week nine, Sky Moore is going to be one of the starting three receivers. Coming out of that bye week, by week nine, he will be one of the starting three receivers. I understand if it's been frustrating. I understand if you're dealing with injury and you have bye weeks coming up. It's hard potentially to justify keeping Sky Moore in a redraft league. I think you have to do yourself the favor and don't give up on a guy who very easily could be a league winner down the stretch. Hold on to him. And again, I'm putting it out there and I feel pretty confident about this. He will be a top three starting receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs by week nine when they come out of the bye week because they can't keep doing this with Juju Smith-Schuster. Hobbs, the really good nickel corner for the Raiders, he got hurt in this game. And Schuster still couldn't take advantage. Still couldn't get open. Something will have to change there eventually. And that something will be Sky Moore. So keep your eye on that. Pick him up. He's 28% owned. Potential league winner on your hands. Isaiah McKenzie, he's 26% owned. I know he's dealing with the concussion stuff still, and he's still in concussion protocol, according to Sean McDermott. He'll be back eventually, and when he is, he's the bona fide starting slot receiver in this Buffalo Bills offense. Need I say more? Which, to bring that point up, if he was to miss this week again, Khalil Shakir, he manned the slot, he scored a touchdown. You want to play anybody you can in this Buffalo Bills receiving group. If they're going to be a bona fide starting and a top three receiver on that team, they can be fantasy relevant no matter who they are or what's going on. So Khalil Shock here yeah, could be a spot start if Isaiah McKenzie can't go. But I love Isaiah McKenzie for the rest of the season, so make sure you get him. Devin Duvernay, 25% owned. I talked about him a little bit earlier in the show too. If Rashad Bateman misses this week again against the Giants, I just love Duvernay. He has a safe floor. He gets involved in the backfield. He gets involved as the lead main receiver. He's a big play threat especially when teams are trying to creep up to stop the run of the Baltimore Ravens. Devin Duvernay is a great spot start if Rashad Bateman misses again this Sunday. And last but not least, the tight ends. So Hayden Hurst, if, if T. Higgins continues to miss, and frankly, after that debacle on Sunday, he probably should miss a game. Stop trying to run him out there if his ankle is that messed up. Anyway, if T. Higgins does get out, Hayden Hurst becomes a more top-end streaming option rather than the bottom-tier streaming option that he's been for me so far. He'd be inside my top 16. He's only 25% owned. We have to talk about Taysom Hill. Now, as an analyst, I feel like this is a trap. This is a trap that I feel like I'm getting led to and leading you guys astray because the usage, look, it's not there. 
for Taysom Hill. It's so gimmicky. He has just as much of a chance to give you a complete donut as he does a tight end one performance like, like he did this past week. But I will say this. If you're trying to take the shot on a Taysom Hill, then as long as Jameis Winston is not playing, I think you can reasonably take that shot. He's only 12% on on average. He's a guy that we have to talk about as a pickup option at the tight end because he's listed as a tight end, doesn't play tight end, but because he's listed as tight end, I think you have to pick him up because, I mean, look around the tight end landscape. You know, if you've been streaming guys, Taysom Hill has to be part of the conversation. As long as Jameis Winston does not play, you can take the shot on Jameis Win- on Taysom Hill. Excuse me, because they don't care about yanking Andy Dalton out at the goal line situation. They'll run that offense with Winston. They seem to, they want to leave him in there, especially with Winston and Michael Thomas back in the game. But if they're healthy, if they're not healthy, if they're not playing, especially Winston, I think they'll continue to utilize Taysom Hill in these packages, especially in the red zone. It's annoying for Kamar owners. Trust me, I know. But you have to take that in consideration. So it's a total boomer bust play. But then again, almost every tight end is. That's not named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews. Last but not least, Kate Otten. So this is more for like deeper leagues. But if Cameron Brake continues to miss time, Kate Otten, who's widely available, he had seven targets this past week. Now, Brady threw the ball over 50 times, but he didn't have to do that. I think the Buccaneers might be getting back to their offense from last year. And even with Godwin on the field and Mike Evans on the field, Julio Jones on the field, Russell Gage on the field, for Kate Otten to still get seven targets, Brady likes his tight ends. If Kate Otten can get going, he might be a sneaky little value the rest of the way. So keep your eye on Otten as a season-long potential pickup, depending upon what's happening with Cameron Brady. That's going to do it for the show today, guys, though. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow to kick off this week six preview. But it's week six already. We're almost at the halfway point. You guys realize that? We are already almost at the halfway point. Week six tomorrow, look ahead Wednesday, the first half preview of week six. Make sure you're tuning back in on our YouTube channel live at 10 p.m. Eastern. Download us on your favorite podcast app. Check us out on the Foxy Network app on the on-demand service. Give us a five-star review. Follow us at social media at Billy Up MDFF show and I will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 